Well, who knows that, the, that God is in this place today? Tell y'all what, as I was preparing last night and this morning both, I just feel the presence of God in here like I haven't in, I don't know, a few weeks at least. And just, it's such a good thing to know that He's just right there with you. You know, there ain't no, nothing in this world that can replace that feeling to know that, that the God, the Creator of the universe is just right there with you. You know, there ain't nothing better than that. Y'all turn over to 1 Kings chapter 17. While you're turning there, the, the title of the message is Providence in the Midst of Drought and Famine. Now, I want to define the word providence for you. It kind of goes along with the word provision. But the definition I have here says active foresight or foresight accompanied with the procurement of what is necessary for future use. So in the context of the message today you can define providence as being provision that God has planned for your future you know so as we talk about the providence of God we're talking about how God has already planned to provide for his people before they even know what's coming so first Kings chapter 17 I got quite a bit of reading here we're going to start in verse 1. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself from the brook, by the brook of Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass for a while that the brook dried up. I'm sorry, after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get, he, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel, that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And he said, As the Lord thy God, I'm sorry, as she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, 
The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the crews of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the crews of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. <clears throat> now this scripture, let me just, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get started. Father, I just come to you right now, Lord, I thank you for this word that we've just read and that you're going to share with us today. And I just ask right now, Father, that you send your Holy Spirit to just anoint me to speak as I ought to speak, that I'd be able to speak boldly, without timidity, and clearly, Lord, that people here can understand. Father, just help me to say the things you want me to say. And I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, this scripture we just read gives us two examples of how God can provide. He first provided for Elijah by feeding him from the ravens. And he sent him to a place where there was a brook. He had plenty of water to drink. Then he also provided for Elijah. I guess you know, in a sense you could say there's three examples here. Because he sent Elijah to this widow woman that had nothing and provided for Elijah to eat there. And at the same time through that blessing he provided for this widow woman and her son to eat. And they were on the verge of death. Now, from the, some of the reading I did, and I just want to give you a little background on this, but some of the reading showed that Elijah had probably stayed by this brook for probably almost a year. You know, that puts a little bit of understanding into this Scripture so you understand it wasn't like he was there a week. He was there probably around a year, which was enough time for this thing to dry up. And then when God told him to go somewhere, he, he probably walked somewhere close to a hundred miles to where this widow woman lived. Which is why he was wanting her to give him some water. Because he was hot and he was tired. What I want you to see in that is, is the amount of faith and reliance on God that, that not only Elijah, but this widow woman had. You know, if, if God were to tell me you need to walk a hundred miles before I'm going to bless you, it'd be hard for me to do, wouldn't it? In this day and age, that's just crazy. God, come on now, a hundred miles. You can't provide for me right here? There's people right over there. You can't provide for me from them? No, what'd God do? God sent him to a Gentile. He sent him to someone that wasn't even a Jew. Wasn't in the, in the chosen line. See, God's provision is not limited by our boundaries. See, if it was me, I would have said, you can't send me to my family. You can't send me to my friends. See, He sent Elijah to somebody he didn't even know. We don't know where the provision of God's going to come from. But see, it came. It doesn't matter where it came from. The fact is, is that God provided. Amen. Now, you know, I know there's a lot of things going on in the world today. There's people losing jobs. People not sure if they're going to have a paycheck next week. Maybe you're not sure how you're going to pay your bills from last week. I don't know. But I know that there's a God that can provide. Amen. You see... 
There's things in this Scripture that you need to stand on. You know, this sounds like a good story up front, but listen, there's promises in this Scripture we just read. Even though it doesn't say Kevin Alfred is going to be provided for, I'm going to tell you there's, there's principles here that you can apply to your life and begin to stand on the Word of God and believe that He's going to move. Why? Because He said so. Because He said He would do it. See, what I want you to understand about this widow woman today is that she wasn't going by just what some man said. She was believing in God's Word. See, because the Word of God came to her through Elijah. So I want you to understand that the trust she was placing in was not in what Elijah said. It was in the Word of God. And see, when you believe and put your trust in the Word of God, you have something substantial. And sometimes we wonder why we're not being provided for. Well, first of all, the Word says that He'll provide for our needs, not our wants. But second of all, I want you to see this widow woman based her beliefs on God's Word. And when you put your beliefs in what God said He would do, you can hold Him accountable to it because He's going to do it. You don't have, there's no question in my mind when God said, I'm going to do this, He's going to do that. You see, it doesn't matter what I, I think or what I feel or what somebody else told me. I know what the Word said. And the Word said He's going to do this. So I can believe He did that. Now, See, there's a difference in believing in what man says and what God says. And when we put our trust in man, or even maybe what we kind of feel like God ought to do, we may be disappointed and let down. But that's not the way God does things. When God does something, He does it in accordance with His Word. Now it took a lot of faith for Elijah to go to this poor Gentile woman looking for his next meal. But I want you all to understand, and this is probably pretty obvious to most of you, that it took a whole lot more faith for this widow woman to go make him a cake before she made one for her wife and son. I mean, for her and her son. You see, she was believing in a God that was kind of external. To her. Now, obviously, she had some sort of belief in this God, Elijah's God. There was something there. We don't know a whole lot of history about her. But you understand that she was on the verge of death. There hadn't been rain, there hadn't been dew, there was no crops, very little water. I want you to see also that when he asked her to get some water, she didn't complain. She didn't say, where am I going to get the money for it? How much are you going to give me for going to get this water? Water was not something that was just easily obtained. She just went and did it. It takes faith. See, look, she was at the end of her rope. She said, look, I'm already, this is all I got left and we're going to eat it and we're just going to wait till we die. This is all we got. And there ain't nothing else coming. But what did Elijah tell her? He said, oh, it'll be provided. But you go make something for me first. See, she had to exercise that faith. 
She had to show God that, okay, God, I ain't got no other hope. I'm going to believe in you right now. This is all I got left. I'm giving it to you. You know, you can, you can put any kind of other analogy on this you want to. You can think of it in a lot of different ways. But the bottom line is, she didn't have nowhere else to turn. And some of you may be in that situation today. I don't know, or you may be afraid that you're going to be in that situation sometime soon. I want you to understand, though, it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter how many jobs you've lost or how many you're not going to get in the future. As a child of God, you're insured provision for your needs. And, you know... This is not one of those prosperity messages. I don't believe in it. I'm sorry. I believe God will bless you. But I don't believe I can hold God to making me rich. I don't believe I can say that because I'm a child of God, I'm going to have worldly possessions that just far exceed anybody that's not. Okay, that's not the way God does things. If He chooses to bless me like that, well, that's His business. Not mine. But what I am going to promise you is that God said in His Word, and I'm going to share some Scriptures with you, that He will provide for your needs. How do y'all think this woman felt as she went to prepare this cake for Elijah? You think she was excited about it? I don't know. I think there's probably a little anxiety there. But you know, I'm reminded of another scripture where Jesus was talking to a man and the man was coming to Jesus. He said, Jesus, my son is just on the verge of death. He said, I need you to touch him. He said, just believe and it'll be done. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. You see, he knew he could turn to Jesus to get something done, but there's always that little bit of doubt. But he knew where he's putting his faith in, see? I guarantee you this woman might have had a little bit of doubt in her mind, but she said, you know what, I'm going to be obedient anyway. I ain't got nothing to lose, right? What's one more cake? But she said, I'm going to be obedient. I believe that this guy is a prophet of God. I believe the word that came to me is the word of God, and I'm going to follow that word. You see, that's where she put her faith, was in the word of God. I want y'all to get that in you today. It ain't what Kevin Alfred says up here talking to you today. It ain't what your friends tell you and pray with you about. It's what the Word of God says. When you understand what the Word says, your faith can be increased. You've got something you can stand on and believe in that is tangible. You've got to trust and believe in God based on His Word alone. There's other factors that can play into it. You know, people can twist the Word and and say other things that ain't even in the Word. But when you believe what He said He will do based strictly on His Word, it stands by itself. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. You see, if I were to promise you something... It might or might not happen because I'm a man. I'm I'm fallible. I have 
problems. I have, you know, I, I mess up things sometimes. Sometimes I don't do what I say I'm going to do because I'm not perfect. But see, God is not slack concerning His promises. When He, He wouldn't make you a promise if it wasn't going to be fulfilled. And I'm not going to say because He couldn't fulfill it because He can do whatever He wants to do, but there's some things He's not going to do. So see, He's not going to make you a promise, number one, that contradicts His Word, and number two, that He's not going to fulfill in your life. He's not slack concerning His promises. Men are slack. You know, the older older folks, you... You talk to them and most of them, will, if they tell you they're going to do something, you can count on it. Because there was a time in this country especially when your word meant something. If you say you're going to do it, by God, you better do it. Somebody will hold you to it. It's not the same anymore, is it? Somebody will tell you, oh yeah, I'll, I'll come over there and help you and then you don't hear nothing else from them. Or you got to keep calling and keep calling. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know, it's just not the same as it used to be. Psalms 37 and 25 says, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread? You need to stand on that promise. That don't mean you ain't going to have the things you want to eat. You may not have nothing but bread. Y'all understand what I'm saying today? See, there's a difference in wants and needs. It don't take much to survive. And you know, it may be that that some of the bills you have may not get paid because it wasn't a need. But see, God understands what needs are. And during these tough times when you're not sure where you're going to get your next paycheck from. You're not sure how all this is going to come about, how things are going to be provided. You see, you need to forget worrying and being anxious about how this is all going to come about. Just understand that God said, I'm going to provide your needs. And if I told you to do something, I'm going to provide the way to do it. See, when you get into that frame of mind, you begin to believe that God is bigger than I am. He's bigger than my employer. He's bigger than my paycheck. He's bigger than anything else that I can think of that can meet my needs. He can meet your needs in ways you've never imagined. Philippians 4 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, it's according to His riches, not yours or your employers. You see, we put a lot of faith and stock in in our jobs sometimes. You know, we we get so dependent upon these employers to give us a paycheck every week, sometimes we misplace where our provision's really coming from. But we need to understand is that God is the one that provided that job. He's the one that provided the the, the place to go to work. And that he if He puts you there, He supplied that need, I guarantee you if you were to leave that place, He can fill it somewhere else. See, because it's according to His riches and glory, not mine. 
Man, if he had to provide my needs based on my riches or somebody else in this world, oh, we'd all be in sad shape. But it's not according to that. The Word says that His ways are higher than our ways. He, he does things in ways we don't understand sometimes. But you see, even in the midst of this drought and this famine that Elijah and this woman were going through, there, were, there wasn't nothing in the land. There was just lack all the way around. God still provided. He still met their, their needs. Even though they didn't have nice air conditions and TVs and, and cars to drive back and forth in, he had to walk 100 miles to get a drink of water. I mean, come on. But his needs were met. Her needs were met. And you'll see, if you keep reading in that chapter, you'll see it ain't very long after that that her son dies. And Elijah takes him up and prays over him and does several different things and prays that God would just bring him back to life. And he does. He, you know, at first glance, you say, man, God, you provided this need. Why don't you take him away now? Why didn't you do it back then? See, we don't understand God sometimes. None of that matters, though. See, the point is, is that He still provided. Even after all that, the, the kid died and, and He brought him back. Now, we can't believe that He's always going to do that because He's got His own plan. But we know He's going to provide. It's as simple as that. Even though everything may seem terrible. And guys, listen, I have been there. I have been in the place before. I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't know if I was going to have a place to live at times. I didn't know if I was going to have a vehicle to drive to be able to get to work to provide. But God still provided. Outside of the bounds that man had set, He still provides. In the midst of drought and famine. You see that? You see, some people would say, well, there just ain't nothing else. Where are you going to get it from? God sent a raven to feed Elijah. And I read one commentary. I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know if these people knew if it was true. But they said that maybe those ravens went and took food off of the tables of Ahab and brought to Elijah. I don't know. You don't know what he did. The point is, though, God used whatever means was necessary. You know, he could just as easily have, have sent a little boy by with a bread basket. But he used this extraordinary example to show us that, look, this is extreme. But even in these conditions, I can still provide. He's got ultimate control, ladies and gentlemen. Understand that he's the creator of the raven. He, he ordered that raven to do what he wanted him to do. And I guarantee you the raven didn't argue with him. He just did it because he's, he's being commanded by the Most High God. You see, that's who's on our side. That's who we belong to. Now, you think about this for a minute. If, if your kid was in need and there was a way you could help them, wouldn't you help them? If your child was going hungry and you didn't have nothing else, wouldn't you share your last meal with them? Yeah, you would. 
And God's the same way, but I guarantee you He ain't on His last meal. I guarantee you His riches are far more abundant than anything you can imagine. And I guarantee you He ain't going to let you go hungry. He ain't going to let your children die from hunger because you serve the Most High God. You serve the One that's in control. You serve the One that is just above everything. Jehovah Jireh. Amen? I said Jehovah Jireh. The Lord has provided. You see, it ain't just He provided one time. He's going to provide again. You may find yourself in want and need and not know where to turn, but I guarantee you, you turn to the Word of God, you'll see that He will provide. And you don't know where it's going to come from. It may be a raven lands on your porch one day and hands you a check. I don't know. But I guarantee you the needs you have will be met in the face of the drought and famine. You see, it doesn't matter if this economy just totally goes to pot, if the dollar ain't worth a nickel. It don't matter. See it? God didn't send Elijah to get a job somewhere at the quickie mart. He didn't say, okay, Elijah, I'll help you out, but you're going to have to work, buddy. No, Elijah was obedient to him. He went where he told him to go. He did what he told him to do, and God took care of everything else. You see, when you focus on the kingdom of God first, the Word says everything else will be added to you. It'll be taken care of. Don't worry about it. I know some of you probably today are worrying, how am I going to do this? You're sitting there, you may hear this little voice going on in front of you right now, but in the back of your mind, you're focusing on the needs that you have. Man, I've been there. Y'all don't look at me like I'm crazy. I know what I'm talking about. Look, I remember sitting in church And I hear everything going on around me, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, where am I going to get this money? Yeah, oh yeah, that's great, that's great. But yeah, I need money. You understand? I need money. Money is the only thing that talks right now because that's what I need. I hear the preaching, I hear the singing, that's all wonderful, but I'm in need. See, I understand. I hope this encouraged you today. I hope this lets you know that you're not by yourself. You're not all alone like it may feel like. Listen, the devil's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you, man, what are you going to do? You did it now. You got yourself in a tight spot, didn't you? What are you going to do? Ain't no way to get out of this. Well, he's going to take everything you have. That sounds a lot like him, don't it? Because I've heard him too many times, I promise you. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a cheater. You know why he tells you that stuff? Because he wants to steal from you. It's because he's a thief. And anybody else that comes to you and tells you that, guess what? They're his children. They're influenced by the devil. They're, They're following what this world says is okay and acceptable. They're looking to something that is not greater than they are. You see, the Word says that He that is within you, what? Is greater than he that is in the world. You see, that's who I serve. Who do y'all serve? Y'all going to believe in in your employer? 
You're going to believe in what He's going to provide for you? I guarantee you they'll cut you loose the first time they get an opportunity. In this time, as the economy is right now, look, I'm pretty secure in my job, but I guarantee you if I gave them half an inch to say I didn't want to come back, they'd say, okay, see you. We just won't fill that position right now. And it may seem like they care about you, but I guarantee you they'll let you go if they can because they're in it for themselves. Now, I know there's some of them out there that are Christian people that try to do the right thing, but let's face it, business is business. So don't be looking to your employer for your provision. You look to the one that loves you, that cares about you, that will will never fail you. Don't look to me. I'm going to fail you. I promise you. Don't look to this church. We'll let you down. But you look to God. And you see if God don't provide when nobody else will. You see if God don't move in your life when nobody else can. You understand that? Sometimes nobody else can help you. It ain't got to do with whether they will or not. Sometimes they can't. But God can He can make a way. This is sounds so cliche, don't it? He can make a way where there is no way. I don't know how many times I heard that out throughout my life. But I got to a point one day where it meant something to me. Because I began to understand that, man, He can make a way when there ain't no other way. There ain't no hope. There's no chance that anybody could do anything. I've seen Him heal people that didn't have any hope. I've seen Him touch lives and just move in ways that you just can't imagine. And it's like, man, where did that come from? It wasn't even possible. But it happened anyway. Because see, He can make a way where there is no way. There's no other means that this anything in this world can move in your life and, and do it. But God can do it. He can just take a wall and just throw a door right there for you to walk through. You see, when God comes on the scene, all of a sudden there's hope. <laughs> you start believing that God can do something. All of a sudden, you might see something happen. All of a sudden, you start standing on the promises and the Word of God, and you got something to hang on to. There's new life, new hope. There's new dreams. Because you're starting from something solid. you got something to work off of. You know the first thing they do when they build a road, and as most of y'all know down Highway 7, is tear up everything else. They get all that stuff out of there. And what do they do? They build a foundation. They put something solid in there that they can put a road on. Something that ain't just going to... Well, this is what they ought to do anyway. Let me back up. I've seen several instances. I still didn't know what they were trying to accomplish. And six months later, there's potholes everywhere. But they want to put something solid in there, and then they put that asphalt on top of it. And look, it's not the asphalt. Understand that. It's not the top part that makes that road solid. It's that solid dirt underneath that's packed in, and it's, it's, it's a good foundation. Because that asphalt, I guarantee you, you put it down on some sorry dirt, man, it won't take no time. It'll be beat to death. You see, you look at people and 
That outside may look okay. But what really matters is that foundation. What are they built on? You run over them a time or two and you'll see what they're made out of. You'll see what the foundation is in their life. And I guarantee you, you start seeing some potholes develop, you'll know real quick they ain't putting their faith on God. You see, it's in times of drought and famine where you find out what people are really made of. What's the first thing you're going to cut? Guys, look, let me just stop before I even say it. I am not telling y'all to bring your last pennies in here and put it in the offering plate. I am not no, I'm not a money grubber. I I don't even care. Y'all can stop paying me next week if you want to. That ain't why I'm here. But who are you going to cut first when times get tough? I guarantee you, there's a time in my life where the first thing that got cut was anything I thought about giving to the church. Because this other stuff had to be paid. But I also came to another point in my life where I realized I was just holding that money for a little bit. That wasn't mine. See, there was already a loan taken out. You know, have y'all ever set up your bills to automatically take the money out of your account every month? See, that's what was happening. I just wasn't aware of it. I was just the delivery person to take that money and put it in the offering plate for him. Because it wasn't mine. I had a preacher that used to preach. He used to share a scripture with us every time we were going to take up tithes and offering. It's over Malachi. And he says, will a man rob God? And they said, well, how have we robbed God? He said, in tithes and offering." Look, I, I'm just telling you all today, that ought to be the last place you want to cut. Listen, I got to a point in my life where I realized I can't afford not to give my tithes and my offering. Because when I don't, oh man, it ain't just that I hurt God and that I'm withholding from Him, but I begin to see blessings leave my life. Look, this is tangible. This is something I can hang on to. I struggled a month or two trying to pay my tithes, and before I know it, the bills would start catching up. See, I couldn't afford to pay tithes when I first started. I want you all to understand this today. I want you to see this is a practical example. I could not afford to pay tithes because I had maxed my budget out on my own self-doing. You see, I didn't have 10% of my paycheck left over to give to the church. Now, this is my fault. This ain't something God put on me. I had just maxed myself out. But God began to convict me about not paying my tithes. So what did I have to do? I had to put off something else, didn't I? I didn't have nothing else left. I didn't have money to go burn anywhere else. It wasn't like I could say, well, I just won't do that now. No, man. I didn't have any any extra things that I could just get rid of to pay God. No, I didn't have it. So I had to decide I'm going to pay God no matter what. I'm going to try. And you know what else it says over Malachi? It says, try me in this. See that I won't pour out a blessing that you can't contain. To, in, in short terms is basically what it says. So I said, you know what, God? I'm going to try you. 
See, I feel like I need to do it. I feel like your word tells me that I need to do that. So I'm going to try you. I'm going to take this money that's supposed to go to my car payment and I'm going to give it to you like I suppose should have done to start with. You know what the devil does? He's going to take that opportunity to just scare the fire out of you. And I've told you this story before. I won't tell you all of it again, but the point is, it got to the point where I felt like, look, if I don't take this money to pay this bill, they're going to take it away. And I decided after doing this several different times, trying to get into the routine of paying my tithe, I decided, look, I ain't going back there again. I'm going to pay God like I need to. And you know, he, he went ahead and provided after the fact. He provided, and the car company said, okay, that's fine. Even at the day after, they were supposed to come get it. Okay, thank you. Like, no, no problem. You know, oh, thanks. You could have told me that a week ago. It saved me a lot of anxiety. <laughs> but see, God began to provide in my life because I began to be obedient to Him. Amen. Even in the face of drought and famine in my life, God provided. And you see, He didn't take away anything from me to do that. He didn't hurt me in any way. He didn't hurt anybody else. Just like He sent this raven to provide food for Elijah, He provided for me. And you know, ever since then, I, ever since I learned that lesson and slayed that giant in my life, I don't have a problem paying tithes anymore. It ain't that money ain't ever tight. It ain't that it's not ever a concern, but I guarantee you if there's ever a concern, it's not going to be with my ties to God. It's going to be with who else is going to get money. Because that's going first. I, I cannot afford not to be obedient to God. You see? And that is a very practical example of how God will move and work in your life just out of obedience and faith. He said to try Him. You won't find many other times you'll see God ask you to try Him. See, He knew this was a point where, where people had trouble. He said, try me and see if I won't do it. So when you get into these situations, if you're not already in in the coming years, and you start seeing drought and famine in your life, don't take away from God first. You take away from whoever you need to. Let God handle how that's going to be provided. If He has to take it away, well, maybe you didn't need it to start with. You see, none of this stuff is permanent. People worry all the time about their credit, and, and oh man, i got to pay this, or they're going to take it, my credit will be ruined. Well, you know what? Seven years ain't that long. And you know what? People will still give you credit even if you got the worst credit in the world, okay? That's why this economy's in the sad shape it's in now. So don't worry about that kind of stuff. I ain't telling you don't do what's right. But I'm telling you, that kind of stuff is all temporary. Okay? There's somebody that'll give you a ride to work. Amen? If you, can't, if you can't, you find somebody that will. Somebody will give you a ride. There's some way that you can do what you need to do without being constrained to this worldly principles of, of how things work. 
You see, God can move in your life if you give Him the opportunity to. But when you take the reins and do it on your own, you just tied His hands. See, that's the only thing that can tie the hands of God is you. You want God to work in your life, you've got to step back and let Him do it. He'll provide your needs when there's no other way.